0: What's up, everybody? Will Brinson here with the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Wednesday to you. Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening. Maybe you you're waiting until Thursday, whatever it is. Don't care. Maybe, maybe you're mowing your lawn on Memorial Day weekend. Don't care. Thanks for listening. Regardless of when you listen, it is much appreciated. All the kind comments and reviews are always very nice. If you like the show, rate it, review it on iTunes. Uh, five stars, of course, don't bother You don't have to be a jerk or lose a three-star because you're sick of me asking for five stars. I need the five-star reviews, okay? Um, Anyway, this is CBS Sports' daily NFL show, if you didn't already know that. We're coming at you Monday through Friday. I'll be on vacation next week, but we'll have some fill-in hosts. We are taking care of you to make sure you get your daily dose of NFL action. Wrapping up this week with the NFC West Will Leach of MLB, but we're actually going to talk some Cardinals with him, both MLB and NFL. Will's a big uh, Arizona Cardinals fan. You may know Will from such websites as Deadspin and New York Mag. Uh, We'll get down the road on that in a minute, talk about how Deadspin's about to be like 25 years old. It's insane. Um, Then we're going to have Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com on Thursday's show, and then Friday's show is going to feature Danny Kelly of The Ringer. So pretty excited. That's a really good trio to wrap up this week and hurdle all in into vacation and uh, and, the, and the holiday weekend. Some not-so-exciting news that happened on Wednesday, Tuesday night, excuse me. Uh, the Chargers confirmed that tight end Hunter Henry has torn his ACL. That likely means that Hunter Henry will miss the rest of the season. For those that aren't aware I'm very high on the Chargers, always am. Thought this was the year. Seemed a little too obvious. I mentioned that on the the AFC West grades with Jared Dubin earlier this week. Um, and now that's a really big blow. Hunter Henry was set to explode onto the scene this year. He was going to be a breakout player. Um, one of the I would think he would have finished as top five tight end if he played 16 games. And now Philip Rivers is going to lose one of his best weapons. I, I know uh, Greg Rosenthal is. Also somewhat infatuated with the Chargers, so we'll, we'll talk more about this in depth tomorrow, but getting you the news out there, that, that's really the only, um, NFL news outside of some kickoff changes that we'll dive into, uh, later, as well as the owners considering the idea of make, penalizing players 15 yards if they take a knee, which is just ridiculous. And uh, just don't do that NFL. You're, you're admitting that you are, that's why you would keep Colin Kaepernick out of the league. Uh, also of note, David Tepper, the new Carolina Panthers owner, owner, was confirmed by the owners. He is you – the know, sale is not official until July, but it, this is basically a done deal. It's going to happen. David Tepper will be the Carolina Panthers owner. To nobody's surprise, great move for them. We talked about that. If you, if you haven't listened to the Joe Pershing show, um, Carolina Panthers last week, go check that out. It's an excellent show as well. And also, there's a rumor out there about the Browns tried to give the number 35 overall pick to the Eagles for Nick Foles, which is insane. Just give up the third round pick for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, who knows who leaked this? Mike Silver of NFL media reported it. So it's possible that it came from Hugh Jackson. Who knows? Uh, possible. Maybe. It's entirely possible. Could be. Who knows? Um, Browns don't want that out there. Eagles turned it down. I would have taken it, drafted Lamar Jackson at 32 and then kept the 35th pick. But you know, that's just me. I'm not going to question Howie Roseman. He knows what he's doing. And they also checked with Nick Foles who didn't want to get traded to the Browns where he would have battled with Baker Mayfield to be the starter. So, uh, th- It's a whole mess. The Browns are going to Browns. They got to keep that stuff quiet, guys. Anyway, Will Leach to talk about the Arizona Cardinals and perhaps even the St. Louis Cardinals, (laughs) friend of the program, Will Leach. I have a laundry list, Mr. Leach, of things to mention as I introduce you, at William F. Leach on Twitter, national correspondent with MLB, New York Magazine contributing editor, and – host of Sports Illustrated's The Will Leach Show, as well as host of The Seeing Red Pod with a friend of the show, Bernie Mickles in in uh, St. Louis, an awesome guy.
1: Yeah, Bernie is the best. I cannot believe I talked him into doing a, a Cardinals baseball podcast, let alone enough to do one with me. So, yeah, I try to give it – You know, my general rule and everything is if I like doing it, I'll just do that until someone tells me to stop. Well, <laughs> so I just do that and that, 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 that's pretty much – I, I review movies now too. Whatever people will let me do, I, I just go ahead and do.
0: Have you – I, I do have one movie. Have you seen – I have not seen Infinity Wars yet. Are you an Avengers guy, pro-Avengers pro or no, not pro-Avengers?
1: Uh, you know, I mean if you write about movies, you kind of can't avoid the Marvel universe. So sure. I think there's been some that have been really good. I feel like the last two before Avengers, both Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok were really good. Uh, so Avengers is almost overstuffed. You have to be really, really into the Marvel universe to love that movie. But if you are, I suspect you really love it. To me, I, I found myself leaving with a little bit of a headache, uh, which is not – not to say that it wasn't good it's just three hours of a lot of things exploding and a lot of people wearing purple cool i'm in um maybe a little imax situation um i i'm i would say
0: i'm i i'm a i'm i collected comics as a kid along with baseball cards and had significant so I, I was into the marvel universe and have since i have had a since i've become an adult i've gotten back into these movies and i but i don't i don't like aggressively pursue a, a trip to the movies which i should do more often at any rate um i i digress terribly which happens on this podcast a lot <laughs> you should follow will and watch his uh watch his show and read his stuff uh do you, are you are you are you glad that you're this is another digression question sorry. Mm-hmm. No. Are you glad that you're full-time baseball now? I mean like that, that, that or as close as it gets to full-time baseball for somebody with as many um irons in the fire. I mean that,
1: that you can focus cuz that that's your that's your sport, right? Yeah, baseball is, is, was definitely the sport that got me into all other sports. Uh, but yeah, just writing about baseball is fun. I still write about uh, a lot of other sports. I'm been writing a weekly column for New York Magazine, uh, sure. as well about, uh, about all sports because I love writing baseball. Certainly my first love, but I noticed very quickly because I went to MLB full time because I was at Sports on Earth and then Sports on Earth closed and it was already owned by MLB. So I just stopped writing about other sports. I didn't have to change my insurance for crying out loud. <laughs> That's good. And, um, but nevertheless, I, uh, uh, just writing about baseball, I start getting really itchy because uh, I love baseball baseball is my favorite sport and certainly if I were to only write about one sport it would certainly be baseball but yeah well already I'm looking around going okay I have nowhere to write about LeBron right now and I really need to write about LeBron right now so so I you know wh- where else will I be able to go to get uh, uh, yelled at for uh, uh, about politics in the NFL so I have to have the opportunity to do that so <laughs> uh,
0: that's right and by the way I like the fact this just we mentioned this right before we started recording and I promise we'll get to football on a second, but um, you did mention that coming up is your 10 year anniversary of leaving Deadspin. Mm-hmm. I find it appropriate to mention that only because you were, you were not bragged, but but mentioned that you didn't have to change insurance, which which seems <laughs> like a, a very old person thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I got two kids, man. I know, uh, I know.
1: <laughs> the the idea of uh, it's funny because it will be 10 years since I left Deadspin, uh, in actually about a month and a half. And you know, I always uh, to me to see the work that they're doing at Deadspin still on a daily basis is just kind of a. Amazing. The, the scope that they've done with that site uh, and the ambition is something that I just wanted to write jokes, you know, yeah. and uh, write jokes in a little box and hit save. And so uh, to, the way they've expanded on it, I always joke that uh, if, if the person would have taken over for Deadspin for me and would have run it into the ground, my, I don't know what my career is. <laughs> like the fact <laughs> that they, they keep doing great work with Deadspin every day, it continues to be in the public consciousness. People introduce me as the, oh, this is the founder of Deadspin. And no one would say that if it would have collapsed. Laps seven years ago, they would say like they were like, "Will, write That Deadspin site, I don't remember <laughs> that site." So the fact that they keep doing a great job with it uh, ultimately benefits me, and I, I'm pretty fortunate.
0: That that is correct, and coming uh, I mean, the, the halcyon days of, uh, of sports blogging, long and and Twitter when you could just uh, hang out and, and talk to
1: people on Twitter is a
0: long time ago, and it probably won't ever come
1: back. But that's it's never coming back. It's
0: that's right. It, it was it was back when the Cardinals probably last drafted a franchise quarterback <laughs> yes. around the, the Matt Leinart era. Actually, mm-hmm. that is that is the timing is accurate, and uh, and now the Cardinals have drafted a new franchise quarterback. By the way, GM Steve Kime, I think, has been there in the Cardinals organization mm-hmm. that entire time. Um, he sort of bleeds Cardinal red, but
1: he's kind of like, kind of like what Brian Cashman is for the New York Yankees—just yeah. someone that's worked his entire career in that organization and now and now runs the place.
0: That's right, and uh, he finally made his move to go up and get a young quarterback. I, I, I would be curious. Because Will, from, if the case would not obvious, is, is a Cardinals fan, and I would be curious to know what your sort of mindset was with the whole Josh Rosen thing. A, you know, where you sort of situated him in terms of all all the quarterbacks out there, the Mayfields, the Josh Allens, uh, Lamar Jacksons, whoever it is. Uh, were you, you know, were you B? Were you surprised to get him at tenth overall? And C, how do you feel about the group of quarterbacks with the Cardinals now?
1: Yeah, well, certainly going into the draft, I thought it was pretty clear they were going to get a quarterback. Uh, you know, obviously they, they gave all that money to Bradford, but that was really just for this one year. And that's a team that, uh, that's a move that a team want, that wants to compete this year, but knows that, uh, that they have to plan for the future move. And so I, I knew there was going to be a quarterback in here. And you know, you, I mean, it's funny after the draft is over, everyone's just like, oh, obviously this guy went to this team and this guy went to this team, but you forget like literally an hour for the draft. Draft, everybody's losing their mind about what Josh Allen said on, on social media one day or whether Josh Rosen erased the F Trump hat off of his Instagram in time and just all like the chaos and silliness that all happens, uh, in, in the draft. So, but yeah, I knew they were going to get one. So it becomes this big polarizing thing of who you're going to get and who, and who you don't want. To me, I was definitely on the I don't want Allen. Camp, I and uh, sure. and for me, I wanted. I think I wanted Mayfield just because I feel Mayfield is just an just an electric player. But if I wasn't going to get Mayfield, and it became clear clear that, that wasn't going to happen. Rosen was actually the guy that I wanted. Um, it's funny because you know with all like kind of pre-draft stuff, I've, I there's a really good uh, the Arizona Cardinals have an official podcast and they have a uh, Ron Wolfley as their is their broadcaster yeah. and Ron Wolfley I think 150 time Pro Bowler uh, Ron Wolfley <laughs> it was and he the he sounds like this <laughs> yes <laughs> exactly and it's funny because he's now just kind of a doughy middle aged man but you still imagine him talking like a professional wrestler <laughs> um, but anyway he's certainly bigger than me and would defeat me and destroy me for calling him doughy so forgive me Ron. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless... Uh, he, he kind of was like, I don't know about this Rosen. He, does he really care about football enough or is he too opinionated? Hint, hint, hint. So I saw a little bit of that. So I wondered, oh, I don't know. That guy works for the team. Maybe they're not going to do it. So to see them make that move and not just make the move to trade up to do it, but not actually give up very much to trade yeah. up to do it to me. That was the thing that really clinched the move for me. You know, I think if they would have had to, uh, for him to kind of fall and the, the notorious nine mistakes before me, uh, idea for him to fall and then still trade up to get, it really was a perfect situation. He fell enough to where they could get him. They had to trade up to get him, which shows that like they're really into him, but they didn't actually have to give up very much. And that was kind of the strike. zone. you know, this is the guy. I think he's one of the people that's most ready to play immediately if something happens to Bradford. <laughs> and you like that I said if that's yeah, funny. Perhaps um, <laughs> so, uh, when something happens to Bradford, uh, I think he's most get ready to step in. And you know, this is the guy that really feels like the safest pick to me. He's the guy with the best accuracy. He's been able to throw the deep ball and I, uh, and and I think that he's someone that can play uh, pretty recently. So to get that guy, it didn't feel like they stretched for a team that clearly needed a quarterback. They didn't get desperate the way you could argue maybe a Buffalo looked a, uh, looked a little desperate. I don't think Arizona um Uh, acted from uh, desperation. I thought it was a well-thought-out move and well-executed.
0: Yeah, and it's important too because – Nobody's nobody's flinching at the idea that the Texans gave up the fourth overall pick, which ended up being Denzel Ward, but could have been, um you know, could have been uh, uh, Bradley Chubb, could have been Josh Rosen, could have been Josh Allen. Uh, you know, they give up that pick to move up and get Deshaun Watson, and that's a that's a future possible Pro Bowler, All Pro, who you are sacrificing by virtue of doing it. Now it's fine because you got your quarterback, but for Arizona to be able to move up and not sacrifice a future first rounder that is is a huge, huge plus i'm 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 with you in that respect and I, I thought it was really interesting to to listen to Josh rosen the day he got or the night he got drafted and then to hear him the first night or the first day that he was in Arizona because it appeared to me as if uh Kime and whoever else is in the front office and Kime is not a small dude by the way it appears to me that Kime mm-hmm. sat him down and was like hey we really like your tone however we would really mm-hmm. appreciate it if you would you know scale it back just a little bit and say you got to you know you could just have a chip on your shoulder without hating Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold mm-hmm. I mean, it it felt like that right
1: yeah, and you know, one thing I like about Rosen, you hear sometimes with the Rosen Cutler comparisons, that seems like on the fact that I think they're, the dirty secret about Jay Cutler is that he was basically a league average quarterback for 10 years, and people acted like he was a horrible, horrible player because nobody liked him. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, Rosen's better than Cutler, but Cutler was not this horrible, like he's not this horrible, horrible player that people like to kind Cutler of talk was about. Good. He was. But, it was. But fine. Uh, yeah, it's fine. You know, like, he wasn't great. He's fine. But the point is, like, people don't like – people often make the, the rose and color comparison because they both kind of have that kind of – Rich white boy smirk a little bit and and I get it I get it I understand that but Rosen to me seems a he seems smarter and B he seems to understand that like even even in the interviews where he said all these controversial things they're always kind of measured with a they're, they're thoughtful right they're not like you know they're not like Mansell just firing off and saying whatever like they're always they always come from thoughtful places in fact the things that he says are controversial are usually kind of directly targeted at as spot of the NFL or kind of the NFL labor structure or the college football labor structure. So he's not a dumb guy and he clearly, you know, he's been building to this for a long time so I don't know if time set him down but clearly, you know, you've you've seen from camp and the reports from uh, from, from when he when he's come in they love him. <laughs> like this yeah. is not like they had to sell him or he came in as some cocky kid saying, listen guys everybody listen to me. I think clearly the, the, the people that have met him in the organization feel very confident not just with his abilities but he gets it like he's not gonna he's not this he's not this, hot, this only in the world of the NFL draft where everything just gets so ramped up into a big huge deal would a guy like Josh Rosen who is you know pretty like yes the 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 screw trump hat was a bit much but I don't know, it was on <laughs> trump golf course I kind of respected the moxie of it I suppose um but uh, it's not like he he's come out and he's been a behavioral problem or his teammates have not liked him or he has not shown this kind of leadership things he tends to know when to dial it back, and a lot of this is media stuff, right? It's media stuff and draft stuff. In the locker room, there's never really been an issue with him, and I think we've seen that so far in Arizona.
0: I think we're still dealing with sort of the um – um not the aftershock, but the, the 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 fallout of having Peyton Manning and Tom Brady be our primary quarterbacks for an entire generation of kids in that you are sort of expected by virtue of the position if you are a quarterback to be this uh bland, tall, vanilla uh corporate salesman. And I mean, look at, look at how the South and the country in general reacts to Cam Newton. I mean, you know, like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't treat outside the box very well when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, for the, for, for the same reason that, that, the movie, like, varsity blues and Friday, you know, Friday night lights exist. Like the, like, if you, if you are slightly outside of the structure of what people want in a quarterback, then the people tend to respond negatively. So I think that, that has probably hurt, uh, Rosen a little bit. Rosen's addition, by the way, is a huge, huge plus for Steve Wilkes, who went into this offseason, went into free agency and, and really into the draft people with people saying, well, this is not going to be a great first year for Steve Wilkes. Are you confident in the transition? from Bruce Arians to Wilkes, a, a new coach with a similar aggressive mold, but certainly not the same panache as the Kangle wearing uh, Arians.
1: Yeah, I know that everybody loves Bruce Arians. He's got a great media guy. He's, he obviously did great <laughs> stuff for the Arizona Cardinals franchise. That was CBS, actually. Yeah. And I, I, I've heard – I hear it's a network of stars. I hear That's it's right. a terrific network. Um, and. I will say though, uh, as much as Gracie's going to be on CBS, I do think there was a sense that. Listen, when Arians was just, was saying, we're the best team in football and all the cockiness and all the awesomeness and all the forthrightness, that was so fantastic when they were winning (laughs) and when they were backing it up. But when, you know, uh, the season before his last season, when, you know, many people thought it was after they got in the MC championship game and they thought this is the year they're going to break through and everything just kind of went wrong from the beginning. Remember they lost that first game to the Patriots uh, and it really just kind of went wrong the rest of the year. And there were some coaching mistakes. There were some kind of of weird decisions, um, the special teams kind of collapsed that year and just, it felt like the tightness of the Aryan staff, it loosened a little bit after that year where they almost made the, made the Super Bowl and everyone, and they were everyone's kind of model franchise. And I think that a little bit of the Aryans Air went out of the balloon a little bit. Not that he wasn't still a good coach, he listened, He did perfectly fine those last two years, and certainly, considering the history of the Arizona Cardinals, even even his bad, bad seasons were better than than most of their good seasons. But I do think that not so much he lost the team, but after a while, the bluster. Once you hit, like have a, take a couple steps back, people stop. Believing the bluster a little bit and if it, the, it runs a, the, the, uh, I'm on all or nothing and cursing like crazy. I'm such an individualist and I'm wearing the kangaroo hats and I'm so crazy. It wears a little thin when you're not winning. And I think that I, not so much that he's unpopular because he's certainly not unpopular, but I do think the idea that a change might be needed. It's not like people were wailing in the streets when he decided to retire. I think that, that felt like it might be time for a change. And so far, Wilkes seems to represent the good parts of Aryan which is that sturdiness and aggressiveness and that, uh, and that win at all costs, but, uh, but also that kind of personal touch, believe you me, for crying out loud, uh, Josh Norman, the, the, the character witness for Wilkes has become like every, like I think you're going to start seeing Cardinal fans wearing Norman jerseys because he's such, <laughs> he's such a, he's the character witness. Like every single time you're like, oh, we really don't know this Wilkes guy, but look how close a relationship he has with Josh Norman has become like the way to be like, okay, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. So I think he's got a tougher job, uh, than maybe Arians did come I think it's going to be, there's a little bit, uh, the division's better and he, the roster is perhaps not at the level of talent that was when Arians got there. But I do think that so far, he see, as I say, he seems to represent the best of Arians without all the other stuff that could sometimes maybe get a little bit
0: exhausting. By the way, I mentioned this, on, I mentioned this last week on the podcast because Joe Person for the Charlotte Observer was here, or not here, but he was on the phone with me, uh, talking Panthers and we were talking about Wilkes. If you haven't, if you haven't read the article in the Charlotte Observer, it's actually about my cousin. It's a really, it's really by Wilkes. My cousin has a, um, a, a, a handicap for birth and it's a really rare disease and he's a greeter at the YMCA and, and Wilkes, some, like, befriended him. And Joe kind of got wind of it and wrote a story. It's, it's a really cool story. His name is Brian Graber, but I would, I would suggest checking that out if you, I will. If, you if you would like something else, uh, to, to hang your, oh, Steve Wilkes has that personal touch hat on. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I mean, I think, I think I, you might be onto something. I hadn't thought about that with Arians because we tend to think of him as a football lifer, but just like with Pete Carroll, you know, Richard Sherman would tell those stories about how. You know, at some point, Pete Carroll's rah-rah stuff, when you hear it the fourth or fifth time, you know, in five years, it wears a little thin, and you almost wonder if Arians might not have—I call it the Jim Harbaugh factor—but maybe there's a little bit of that with Arians as well.
1: Yeah, you know, and Arians too. Of course, Arians also ran into the same problem that every single Arizona Cardinals coach of the since they've been in Arizona has run into, which is when you have a good quarterback and you win, and when you don't, you don't. <laughs> and when Carson Palmer was healthy, they were fine and they were great, and he could be cocky and he could say, "We're throwing it downfield, we're right up the score, we're 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 here to win championships." And and check out my hat, seriously, check out my hat. <laughs> um, and and all of that, that's great. But once that didn't happen, the it just kind of imploded on them quickly, right? And and he salvaged. And I think certainly a great way for him to go out was winning a game that kept the Seahawks out of the playoffs. I think that was a nice way to kind of end that. Uh but I do think that they're uh, I think people people were just ready for 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 a new voice while still recognizing that is still in charge. Uh and I think if anything, Wilkes and Kime seem to have a pretty solid ma- mind meld uh so far. They seem to see the uh them see work together very well. If anything Kime is almost, because he's, uh, because Wilkes is less, uh, outwardly gregarious than Arians. If anything, Wilkes is kind of, uh, excuse me, that uh, Kime has become kind of the voice of the organization a little bit. It's, it's almost like a baseball idea where the general manager is almost more prominent than the manager. I mean, Kime is, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's the one that, uh, that Rosen talks about first, which is, which is maybe that will change once the season gets going. But, you know, it's clear that Kime is, uh, the backbone of this franchise. And, and if anything, Wilkes had to figure out how to work with him and will adjust accordingly.
0: That's, uh, and, and I'm sure that Arizona Cardinal fans also appreciate that Steve Wilkes does not have a bizarre obsession
1: with Drew Stanton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no Stanton, no Drew Stanton, no Drew Stanton. He was insistent. I mean, remember they, before they signed Palmer, they didn't even know they were going to get Palmer. Right. Right. Before they signed Palmer, he was like, "Stanton's the guy. Yeah, he's our guy. He's, our, he's our guy." Which it seems kind of insane to think that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, if the, yeah if the Palmer gamut
0: doesn't work out, and Palmer isn't great, and people people thought Palmer is was washed when they traded for him because they traded a a fifth round pick for him, and they go forward with Drew Stanton. Maybe we're, we're I mean we're we're having a very different conversation right now, and it's not about how Bruce Arians walked away on his own terms.
1: Yeah, and remember Arians said like he, when he signed Stan, uh, you know, again straight shooter Arians, he said we're not looking for another quarterback. This, this is, is our guy. guy. Yeah. And everyone's like, Wait, really, <laughs> real sure about that? <laughs> 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 to it's play like, third base? I'm like, what exactly. <laughs>
0: what? Um, uh, Speaking of guys who will be going out on their own terms, Larry Fitzgerald is uh – It seems stupid to use this analogy, but it is a perfect analogy. He is like, he's like a fine wine. He is only getting better with age. Bruce Arians deserves a lot of credit for this too, because he took him, uh, you know, away from just being the ex-receiver and started moving around the field and letting him play the slot. And it, just like it did for Reggie Wayne in Indianapolis, it opened up Larry Fitzgerald's game. He's averaged 108 catches and 1,183 yards, I believe, the last three years from ages like 31 to 34, which is not Unheard of, but it is really, really impressive for a wide receiver to do that. Is, is he somehow underrated?
1: I, th- I mean, on one hand, I'll put it this way. He would not be underrated if the Steelers don't come back in that Super Bowl. I, uh, to this that's, day, I, that's right. you know, that, that touchdown that he scored, uh, obviously I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, so it was very exciting for me, but it is definitely one of those great underappreciated, uh, incredible Super Bowl moments because the Steelers came back and won. Uh, if, if that defense, if the Cardinals defense holds, that's just one of the most incredible Super Bowl plays of all it's, time. And I think
0: it's like it, that Marcus Page shot in the Carolina Villanova exactly yeah. exactly
1: and 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 i think it secures fitzgeralds uh, in the in the top tier in the public consciousness where i think he probably is anyway i think quality wise he's like a top tier all-time wide receiver i don't know if he's always consi- i think he's probably considered top 15 or top 20 i think he's top 5 or top 10 and i'm not sure everyone always considers him that just cuz he's been for a team that's not a particularly high profile team his entire career and his biggest moment ever Came just right before a very crushing loss. Uh, but yeah, he has, but you know, he has reinvented himself in every possible I Remember when Arians came, he, it was a problem at first. Like he was very concerned about playing for Arians. He was very concerned about being, he wanted, you know, he's Fitzgerald. He wanted to do what he had always done. And I think it spoke to kind of Arians skill of getting players to listen to him and to, and to kind of go along with what he was doing to have it worked out. Now I think it's interesting this year because, you know, there, there's a big concern when Fitzgerald at the end of the season because I think there was a thought halfway through last season that Fitzgerald would retire yes. and uh not not because he couldn't do it anymore, but it's just like this team is not closer to a Super Bowl that was clearly the thing he wanted to do. It feels like the window could kind of shut on that, and you know he's thirty four years old thirty five years old smart guy clearly has a has has a post football career that I think will be very lucrative for him uh so you know, I you wondered if it would be time, but frankly, the Cardinals were like, we desperately need you. <laughs> like, like, like this is not a matter of, know yeah, this is this is not a matter of like, hey, Ichiro, come back and we'll have a, we'll have a last season. Like, they need Fitzgerald badly, and you know, I find it interesting because you know, uh one of the things that's interesting about the big draft pick that the Cardinals had, was Christian Kirk, before whatever stuff may have come out about him, Christian Kirk is you know from Arizona from the Arizona area, very beloved dude. Uh, locally, he, he was. Already being buzzed about as someone they were going to draft uh, before the draft anyway, if if they had any opportunity to at all, kind of looks like they play the same spot right now. And uh, and and you know, it's curious to see, particularly when you're probably going to have multiple quarterbacks this year, how that works out. It's. Fitzgerald's. it's great to have him back and maybe he can usher in the new era. But it does feel like a weird – like the nice thing about last season was, sure, he didn't make the playoffs. He didn't get that title that he wanted. But he was still really awesome. And the one thing that that Fitzgerald has had really his entire career is he's never been bad. He's never been bad. He's really never been injured. Like He's really just been the consistent guy and – for him to come back this year, where really, other than the year that Max Hall was throwing to him, he's really not had, like he's got a he's got a good quarterback throwing to him. But you don't know which one's going to throw it to him. You don't know if he's going to get a rookie quarterback. They need. I, I think it argued can the Cardinals needed Fitzgerald this year more than Fitzgerald necessarily needed the Cardinals. But I think that speaks. You know, every guy's got to make his own decision and. To be fair, if I just cut 109 passes, I might not feel like I had, I, I might feel like I had a lot in the tank as well. So I, I understand why he's coming back. But it'll be an interesting position because the one, you know, I can't imagine him coming back after this year and, uh, and you're certainly not building around Fitzgerald at this point, but you're building it, but you're starting something new everywhere else. So that's what I find kind of interesting is, uh, is where he fits in. Cause you know, Fitzgerald is not, Going to consider himself a mentor, you know. He's still the no centerpiece way. of this offense, so I think it's interesting to see what happens uh, with him this year. You don't want him to have the down year because he's had such amazing ones the last three.
0: Yeah, and I think that really dovetails into my my next question for you, which is related to the other teams in the division, not necessarily the Rams, because I I think it would take some sort of dream team scenario for the Rams to fall apart. I, I just think Sean McVay is too uh, too good a coach for that, and they have Jared Goff who looks like a very capable quarterback. But are you buying or selling the demise of the Seattle Seahawks?
1: Uh, yeah, certainly as long as they've got the quarterback, uh, you can't really, uh, completely, uh, sign them off. But yeah, it certainly, it feels the Cardinals and Seahawks So they had these, this kind of great rivalry over the last five or six years. And they, you know, the Cardinals famously kind of owned them in Seattle, but could never beat them at home and had that horrible game on Sunday night football where there were like 80 field goals and 85 missed field goals. And so, you know, they, they've really had this great rivalry and it feels like a step back for both of them, uh, right now and step forwards for, obviously for the Rams. And I think. I think, frankly, for the Forty ers as well. Uh, so that's what I find kind of interesting, though, because neither team is, like, they're both taking a little step back, but they're not taking a Browns step back. Like, they still kind of consider themselves contenders. Are they still got the, they've, they've got the same people in charge. They're still, like, uh, the, with, obviously with Wilson in Seattle and Fitzgerald in, in Arizona, you've got the same stars that still feel like they want to compete and go win for a title. So the question is, is either one of them going to bottom out? Because I, uh, and maybe the Rams, I don't think the Rams take like a step back, but maybe the 49ers are not actually uh, where they look like they might be at the end of the last season and there's a window for one of them. But I find it interesting that I think because this division has been so competitive and those two teams have specifically been so competitive with each other for the past few years, it's telling that neither one of them is doing the, okay, we're starting over. We're going to figure this out. We're going to cut this out and completely start over. Obviously the Seahawks have made moves. The Cardinals have made moves as well, but they, both teams feel like they're coming in to compete, uh, this season, but I don't, there's not space enough in the division for them both to do so. So I find it kind of interesting to see which one takes the larger step back, particularly with the Rams taking the huge step forward. And the 49ers has taken a step back. I, to me, I, I think the difference is if the Cardinals finish last. Uh, in the NFC West this year, but Rosen shows something in the way that frankly the, the, the 49ers got with Jimmy G last year. Uh, if he, if, if they can get excited about him and see that he's the guy heading forward to the next season, I don't think anyone's going to consider this season a failure, a playoff contention for the Cardinals. Obviously Kime's going to say we're in it right now. And they obviously by bringing in Bradford clearly showed they care a little bit about this season, but I think the overarching thing you're going to want to see if the Cardinals can have the 49ers season that they had last year I think everyone's going to be tickled pink
0: okay now that I have successfully dispatched of my child the way that the Rams are dispatching of the Seahawks uh, by the way Pete Prisker thinks that it will be the Cardinals and the 49ers fighting for that second spot mm-hmm. with uh, with the Seahawks falling by the wayside which would be interesting um, if you could change any one thing about the Arizona Cardinals. And you could move them to St. Louis. You could move them to Athens, Georgia. <laughs> you could uh, change your uniforms. Whatever it is, what uh, what one thing would you change? You know, it's.
1: I, this is a, this is a controversial statement because I, I, I cover a lot of sporting events. I've been to a lot of sporting events, but I've never, literally never been to a louder stadium than when the yeah. Arizona Cardinals played the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship, the great NFC Championship yeah. game, the Cardinals with the Super Bowl. That that place, when the roof is closed, which is it usually is because it's always 150 degrees, <laughs> uh, when the roof is closed at that place, it is staggeringly, deafeningly loud. And I, when you look at kind of the other sports franchises in Arizona, I think the Cardinals, even with their struggles the last couple of years have become kind of the model. And it's kind of funny to me because the Arizona Cardinals, when they were the St. Louis Cardinals or the Phoenix Cardinals were notoriously the worst franchise in, in football. I remember growing up and not being able to find any of their merchandise anywhere because who would sell uh, uh, Cardinal stuff. So uh, to see them kind of run competently has been encouraging to me and to see uh, all the problems that they used to have, particularly when they played at Sun Devil Stadium and it felt like every year, they were starting 0-2 because they had to play on the road the first sure. two weeks because, again, it was 150 degrees every year. So it feels like the franchise, even when they have these steps back uh – uh is in a much better place uh, than it's been in the past, which is fantastic. Uh, the w- one thing that I wish I could fix, and I think this is a problem they wrestle with all the time. fact is Arizona is a transient state, and Phoenix is a transient city. And the fact is when the Cowboys are in town or the Packers are in town, mm. uh, they – even with as many great Cardinals fans as, and there's so many more than there used to be. And I think there's a really solid fan base there. They still get run out of the place by those, by those fans. And I, and I don't know. I wish I could just, I guess I need a wand to make that happen because I feel like it's already a lot better than it used to be. But I don't know. To me, this, all the success they've had and all they've been able to do to put the franchise in the right place. And, and really, you know, I, I the last thing I like to do is to praise owners. Uh, but I think Michael Bidwell has has, he has his own kind of issues. He's got that kind of "I'm a tough rich dude" thing that that non-tough rich dudes have a lot. <laughs> uh, he's got the "I'm I'm a tough guy, but I'm not really tough guy" goatee, which is, I think, a very kind of definitive uh, indicator of those things. He has been such a better owner than his than Bill Bidwell was. He's been very, he's been very good as an owner. Yeah, yes, and and I think that. Uh, he has been able to put that franchise on kind of the right track and really they've kind of done everything right the last few years. Uh, not everything not on the field all the time, but they have gotten, this used to be a joke of a franchise it's not anymore. And a lot of that is because it's hard not to make money in the NFL right now, but still I think they've they've fixed a lot of stuff, but they haven't fixed that. They really have not yet fixed the, if the Cowboys are there or the Eagles are there or the Packers are there. I think the, uh, when Washington was there, even Washington kind of and can kind of overtake it a little bit. Heaven forbid the Steelers ever come. When that happens, the place does get overrun, and it's hard to keep making that case of like, oh, they're doing so much better than they are were when you get overtaken.
0: That is, that is, that is a fair point. And I don't know what sort of ban you would have to put on in order. Uh, probably would fly in the face of the Constitution if you attempted to keep Cowboys fans and Eagles yeah, fans out. But, but, but
1: clearly, that's not been a major issue in Arizona in <laughs> the last couple of years. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh,
0: should any sports writers, national sports writers, perhaps? Uh, Perhaps even myself make the stupid mistake of picking the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl this year.
1: No fool would ever pick them to make the Super Bowl any time in the last two years, Brinson. What kind of fool would do that? Well, I don't. You kept, you kept me so excited for a considerable period of time last. Well, it wasn't. You know,
0: I actually really liked. It. I liked the Cardinals. I liked their chances, and I, I thought in my mind that we would see the Cardinals figure out a way with Bruce Arians and Larry Fitzgerald, who clearly didn't retire, but also Carson Palmer to have this
1: sort of, I don't know. I, 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 like, f- I like those last charge up the hill teams, I'm a sucker right? I'm for those. Right. I'm a sucker right. for those. Right. 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 And I get it. And I saw that too. But then you just realize that like, oh, Palmer's not right. And by the time he got right, then J- uh, Johnson was hurt. And then it was just, then it was just not, then it was, well, then it was all, when David, I mean, jo- so- when David Johnson went down, it was like, Oh, bleep. Yeah. This right. is, <laughs> yeah. this is bad. And, and it was, it was, and I think it's, it's funny because it's been kind of forgotten how great David Johnson is <laughs> and I, it, because he went down in the first scene. It's been like a year and a half since everybody's watched him play, but he is so good. And, yes. and I think by, by just by having him back, I mean, he's worth a couple wins on his own if everything else doesn't work out. So, you know, you, you, you don't have to squint that hard. I, you should not pick them to win the Super Bowl.
0: I don't know but, if you, I don't know if you, I actually used that phrase. Did you read my over-under this morning? I actually used No, I did not. I used I the not. phrase. If you, I was
1: like, you don't have to squint that hard to, hard to talk to yourself it. into this offense being pretty good. Right, right. And like, if he's healthy and Bradford's healthy, again, two big ifs. But if those two are healthy, I still feel like there's some receiver issues. I feel like they don't, like, they, they don't really have, I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, that's been an issue for the last couple of years. There's remember that stretch a couple of years ago when, uh, it looked like they had this great receiving core and then everybody but Fitzgerald took a huge step back. Uh, they haven't really filled that just yet. But yeah, I mean, like, Johnson's half of a receiving core on his own. Yeah, so. I mean, he,
0: he wants to do a thousand, a thousand this year, which is potentially Potentially possible,
1: but not very likely. Yeah. Well, the last time he said that he got hurt in the first games. So I don't. I don't want him to say that anymore. I know. Uh, But, 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 yeah. I, I think there is there there is a potential for that offense. They still figure out the second cornerback spot on defense. But I think this. Could, listen, this. If everything breaks right, I think this could be a playoff team. If we're not going to pick them to
0: win the Super Bowl, and, and believe me, you me, I will not be picked doing that again. Uh, over or under five and a half games.
1: I, I take the over to be honest. Uh, maybe Seattle has a huge step forward, and San Francisco is really great, and the Rams are just are, are, are dominant, and the division just doesn't have any very, very many wins in it. But I don't know. I think I think listen, one of two things is going to happen. Uh, if Bradford stays healthy, I think this is potentially a playoff team. I, I honestly do. We've seen what Bradford can do when healthy. Just last year, what he can do when healthy. Problem, of course, is he never stays healthy. So right. even if that doesn't happen, uh it's very cute that Mike Glenn is still hanging around, but everybody knows. There shall be- no disparagement of Mike Glennon on this podcast. Just so you of course know. not. No, of course <laughs> not. But like if I'm Glennon, I'm like, okay, well, hey, I'm Bradford's backup. I'm, oh, never it's, mind.
0: You, do, you know how, do you know how bad it has been for him in his entire and I feel bad for the guy because he is really, a really, really nice human being. I mean, maybe even too nice, but so in NC State, he got, he had to sit for Russell Wilson. He gets drafted by Tampa Bay. He has to sit and then James Winston gets drafted. He signs with Chicago, and then Mitchell Trubisky gets drafted, and then he signs with Arizona and Josh Rosen gets drafted the guy just wants to play quarterback now granted he's he's gotten rich out of the process and he'll be fine but it's it's such a shame that it's happened to him that way
1: yeah and 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 listen to be fair i I think if I could see that the Cardinals are probably going to draft a quarterback, I feel like Glenn probably should see that as well. <laughs> so uh, it's not like he he was like he had he could side with a lot of teams. So I, I get it, but uh if but I, I clearly I think at this point if if slash when Bradford gets hurt, Rosen's going to be the quarterback. So. At that point, you're probably not a playoff team, but I think you're still a six win team. I think if Rosa were the starting quarterback on day one, this is still a a team that wins more than five and a half games. So adding Bradford, who I think when healthy is a, is a, not a top tier quarterback, I think at least above average quarterback and having Johnson healthy. And, and a defense that is, has some issues, particularly in the secondary, but still, uh, s- still, I think has some, has some good stuff. I think, I think they win more than six, I think they win si- uh, six games. Worst case scenario, I think they're still above, above five and a half.
0: Yeah, and they got three out of their first four games are at home, which is the, you, if Bradford's healthy, you get off to a good start, or even if Bradford's not healthy to start the season and Rosen plays well at home and you win those three games, to me, to me, I, I like the over in this a lot. Um, although I have, Certainly been wrong with the Cardinals and the over-under in recent Mm -hmm. years. Uh, Bonus question. We'll get you out of here on this. You're, again, the host of this – co-host along with uh, Bernie Miklas in in St. Louis at the Seeing Red Pod. Who gets demoted from the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals rotation when Alex Reyes returns and is healthy? Because he's going to – I think uh, Mike Matheny said he will be in the
1: rotation. I think what they're going to do – and Derek Gould from the Post-Dispatch, the world's greatest beat reporter, uh, (laughs) is – could kind have of floated this. They almost call it a four on six rotation, where basically what they're gonna do yeah. is Martinez is gonna have when Martinez is back, Carlos Martinez is coming back very soon. Yes. When he's back, you can have Carlos Martinez you're going to have Miles Michaelis. Who's been Michaelis, fantastic, by the who's way. Who's been awesome. Through a awesome. complete
0: game shutout last night.
1: Oh, he's so good. has been facing the Royals, but still. still. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's been awesome, and he's – and it's just been such a smart move. It's the type of – one of those smart moves that the Cardinal front office never really gets credit for, but was like totally smart about. Um, so those three guys are going to be on rotation every single time. Then you've got three other guys. You've got Reyes. You've got Weaver. And you've got Flaherty. You've got, uh, we're putting Adam Wainwrights on the 60 day DL. That's a long way away. I think at this point, yes. he's going to get a curtain call in September as opposed to being a regular part of the rotation, which I think is good for everyone involved. At that point, you can switch those three guys around. I don't, I, I, and use one of the issues that many Cardinal fans have with Mike Matheny as a manager is he likes to have his break glass reliever, which is to say he likes to have a reliever in case everything blows up in the second inning. He likes to have a guy ready for that notion. The problem is that almost never happens, which means you end up playing a man. Short in your bullpen all year. I think this get, solves that problem by having six into four, having those three guys go two out of every three starts is basically oh. what I think will happen, while keeping the other three pitchers on rotation. And so I think I think that's what I saw. You, I, if you're in fantasy and you're like, oh, when Reyes comes back, <laughs> am I not going to keep Flaherty? Uh, are they not going to keep? weaver those guys are all going to stay in the rotation unless someone gets hurt uh
0: interesting okay that's an awesome that you 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 answered my question in multiple aspects and in it, it's it's weird how the cardinals have had maybe a little blip for for at least for their baseball franchise but you can see the path to uh them being back very quickly with that pitching staff. the I mean, Flaherty and Reyes, Reyes and Weaver uh, along with Seamart and Nicholas, who appear, apparently is just a stud. I mean, that's a that's a pretty strong rotation.
1: Yeah, until until the Cubs trade for Machado. <laughs> 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 then we all deal with that stuff. So. Stupid Cubs. All right. All right. Uh, Will Leach,
0: thank you for joining the show. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Excellent stuff. You can follow him at William F. Leach on Twitter. Check him out at MLB.com at NYMAG.com. And the Sports Illustrated's The Will Leach Show on this SITV. Thanks, man. Of course.
1: As always, a pleasure.